listening to the Alan Carter Show on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Hello and welcome to the program. Thank you so much for joining us. And I am back from vacation and I feel fantastic. I will just share this bit of personal news with you that I have some extra jewelry on my left hand. I have two things. I have uh, an Apple Watch and a wedding ring. And I am trying to figure out how to use one of them. How one of them works. Just one of them. The other one I got to figure it out. I'll just leave that there. I'm going to leave it there. That's it. That's all I got. We have a big program in front of us. You heard in the news about the transit spending, the big announcement, all of those levels of government there, all standing together, waiting for the bus to come. Here's John Tory. Had to go through uh, with the full support of the provincial government, and that's why we're all here today, the process of making sure that under the arrangements, all of the governments were on board. Well, let's all get on board then, shall we? It's time to get on the bus. And it's standing room only at this point on our bus, radio, and podcast listeners. The only spot available is in front of this guy. The region is continuing to grow fast. That's a good news story. This region is booming. Uh, People are coming here uh, wanting to come to Canada and to Toronto to make their lives. Uh, Investment is continuing to happen here and new jobs are being created here. And unfortunately, the pace of transit construction didn't keep up with that growth in the past. But I think we're all determined to make up for lost time. And just behind him, because he won't stop talking, with his little knee wagon the mayor of Toronto, is another politician on a bus, Justin Trudeau. He got into politics to help people. Well, this is awkward, isn't it? I was going to play some audio here from the radio ad, the new television ad from Justin Trudeau and the federal liberals. The prime minister of Canada on a bus, blocking the aisle. Could you move to the back of the bus, prime minister? There is still room available back there, you know. This is all part of the newest liberal ad that promotes the government's record on various issues. Points out that the conservatives have opposed everything worth anything. And in the ad, we ride along on the bus through Trudeau's home riding of Papineau. Ah, here we pass a meat shop. There, that's an SNC-Lavalin project, is it not? I think I can see 100,000 jobs from here. Hey, Mr. Prime Minister, could you help me with my no-frills pasta grocery bags? I forgot to bring the reusable ones. Well, back to our ad. The conservatives say they are for the people, says Justin Trudeau. But every time they do something, they get the people that are richer something good and the people who are poor something bad. Here's Mr. Trudeau. I got into politics to help people. Thank you. And what is it that the Conservatives say they are for, sir? I am for moving forward for everyone. Well, thank you. Could you just move slightly to the back or to the side, if you don't mind? So, what is going on in October? I think that perhaps, Mr. Trudeau, because you're talking about the Doug Ford government when you say for the people, do we have the Conservatives that one? In October, we've got a choice to make. Thank you. The Conservatives 
The conservatives like to say they're for the people, but then they cut taxes for the wealthy and cut services for everybody else. I'm not going to lie to you. We have absolutely smashed this bus into a wall. We've taken this bus and we've just chucked it down a ravine and it's going to explode. This is carefully crafted audio that has gone under the bus. I'm going to get Keanu Reeves up in here in just about a moment. I'm going to back it up one more time. You got the conservative say? You got that one? All right, here we go. Mr. Prime Minister, could you help me here? Because I forgot my reusable cloth bags. The conservatives like to say they're for the people, but then they cut taxes for the wealthy and cut services for everybody else. Uh, Mr. Prime Minister, for the people is the slogan of the Doug Ford government, and sir, that is in Ontario. I believe you may be on the wrong bus. In October, we've got a choice to make. October? October? We're on the silly bus until then. Man, public transit sucks. All right, since you're not going to let me pass, what is this whole choice thing? I got into politics to help people. <laughs> this is the point in the ad where he mentions Stephen Harper. And what does Stephen Harper have to do with anything? Is he on our bus too? Speaking of that, can I have your transfer, Mr. Trudeau? I am for moving forward for everyone. Awesome, although I suspect you may give that up so easily because this is whole October choice thing you're talking about. In fact, you know, federal liberal ministers and MPs continued their cross-country spending announcement tour thus last week, making 277 spending commitments. How much does that add up to? Well, ladies and gentlemen, look who just got on our bus. It's Global's chief political correspondent, David Aiken. David, this bus is a little cubist today. <laughs> the, the bit didn't... It is a little cubist, but it's still very comfortable. Those <laughs> nice, smooth plastic seats, yes. and I can look out the dirty window, and all. Oh, it's wonderful. It's and, wonderful, Alan. And if you watch that ad again, Mr. Aiken, just pay attention mm-hmm. to why are all the people in the back studiously avoiding looking at Mr. Trudeau when he talks. It's a bit weird. Yeah. It's well. What's weirder is, can you see an ad with Stephen Harper riding a bus and saying something as prime minister? Yes. No, because prime ministers don't ride the bus. I mean, I know what they're trying to do here, man of the people. That's fine. You can have him greeting people getting off the bus, um, etc. In fact, you may have been at this. You may remember it yourself, Alan. A long time ago, before Harper became PM, PM, he had a press. Uh, they get a, a, a photo op in Toronto where he got off a TTC streetcar. And, uh, you know, it was because he was going to put m- money into buses. He, he did have a program you could write off the cost of your bus pass on it. You got a tax credit for that. Trudeau got rid of that. Anyways, Harper has tried the whole bus thing. And I remember that press conference because at the time, Adam Vaughn was a reporter in Toronto. And now, of course, Adam Vaughn is the liberal MP for Spadina, Fort York. And Vaughn tried a gotcha question on Harper at the press conference. Vaughn said, uh, do you know how much it costs to ride uh, the TTC? And Harper, who was a bit of a polymath and, of course, grew up in Leaside, 
not only knew how much the the single ride fare was, he quoted back the monthly bus pass to Vaughn. And it was one of those moments, as you know, if you're a reporter, you're trying to do a gotcha question on a politician, you damn well better gotcha, because otherwise <laughs> you'll look silly. And our friend Adam looked a little silly that morning trying to do a gotcha on Stephen Harper. Getting back to what you've written for globalnews.ca and these 277 spending commitments mm. in the advance of the big federal election, we got a choice to make That's in October. That's just last week. And that was just last yeah, that's week. That's just last week. So what's that out of That's just last to? week. Okay, so last week, 277 spending commitments for a combined total of $2.8 billion. That's just last week. How'd they do the week before? Week before, big week, 595 spending commitments, $4.9 billion. And what is this money on? Some of it's on transit. Last week, the prime minister was in Quebec City to say to the Quebec people in Quebec City. Here's a billion and change for a brand new transit network in Quebec City. Two weeks ago, he was in Montreal in his riding saying, here's a couple of billion in Montreal to fix up your subway system. Now, that's not to say that Toronto has not got a lot of money from the feds. They have. Edmonton's got a lot of money, billions for their light rail line from the feds. But that money was all announced I just looked it up. TTC getting hundreds of millions August 2016. So that's what, three years ago? What's interesting right now is we are on the eve of an election call. It could happen September 1st. It won't be any later than September 15th. And here are liberals running around the country, including the prime minister. Here's a check for you, and here's a check for you. Big ticket items, like I just mentioned, but even tiny little stuff. Hey, here's $500 for you in tiny town New Brunswick for an Acadian Day festival. I once was told by the former premier of New Brunswick, Bernard Lord, he said, you get a bigger political bang for the buck if you show up for a few thousand bucks to fix up the kitchen sink at the local legion than if you said, here's $50 million for a highway overpass. It's all these little spending announcements that add up to great political hay for liberals campaigning right now to get reelected or to try to steal a seat. David, so you've been into this. this. Yeah, sir, but you've been in this game yeah. a long time. How is this any different than what oh. Harper did? And I was just going to tell you, oh, sorry. it is different in scale. Because I've met, so I've had this database, every single spending announcement I've tracked through three parliaments now. So going back to 2009, I've got 28,000 spending announcements. I've read every one. I've put a little note in my spreadsheet. So I can tell you how Harper did in the month, in the entire month before uh, Harper called the 2015 election, there was 604 spending announcements for a combined 1.4 billion that's the whole month before harper went to the the hustings conservatives out and around the country 1.4 billion trudeau did almost twice that just in a week last week so the scale and the pace of the trudeau guys is as i say it's remarkable i mean they've just the uh, They've made a virtue out of dispatching its ministers, its MPs. Today alone, we're going to have Bill Blair up in Peel. He's got money for Peel to help the region uh, deal with the influx of asylum uh, seekers. So there's a check that Bill Blair's given out uh, up in Peel. Uh, I just came from a spending announcement here in Ottawa. Environment Minister Catherine McKenna had, mon had funding. Uh, you know, 14 million bucks uh, to help fund an internship program for the United Nations Association of Canada. Uh, Jeanette Petipa-Taylor, the health minister, this morning, handing out millions of dollars to do some, you know, for health researchers around the country. You may say all this spending is a great idea, and maybe it is. I'm just saying there's a lot of it, and liberals are standing up taking credit for it, and we're going to the polls in seven weeks. 
David Aiken is Global News Chief Political Correspondent. He's got a lot of books with him. He's carrying them on the bus here. Step to the back of the bus. <laughs> All the way back. Plenty of room in the rear. All the way back, David. Thank you so much for being with us. We're back in a moment on Global News Radio 642. Welcome back to the Mighty Allen Carter Radio Program. And just ahead, your calls on whether or not highways should be all told. Now, before you swerve off the road here, let me put it to you this way. Why is it that governments, federal, provincial, municipal, because they all own some portion of roads, why do they all pay for it out of general revenue? Should it not be user-based, especially when it comes to highways? I'm going to talk about an editorial in the Globe and Mail, and then I want your answers about whether or not, and I... I understand that the majority of our callers will be drivers, but think about it. If I could reduce your tax bill significantly, I could significantly cut your tax bill and then say to you, well, it all depends on how much you drive. You drive a lot, you pay more. You drive a little, you pay less. And maybe we'd say, you know, cyclists and skateboarders and dogs all have to pay something too just to use the sidewalk. I don't know. We'll figure it out. But that's the general idea. I want your calls, your ideas on that, 416-870-6400, star 64 on your cell. I am going to read from that editorial in just one moment. But first, I offer you this from Tulsa, Oklahoma, where authorities say a security guard at a gas station shot and wounded a man who was swinging an Australian musical instrument at him. Tulsa police say the shooting happened late Saturday at a quick trip convenience store. They say the security guard opened fire after the man, quote, swung a large wooden club at him that was later determined to be a didgeridoo. Police say the man was shot in the groin area but is expected to recover. Police say surveillance video appears to back up the claim that the man was swinging a didgeridoo. I know people who will say that you should be shot in the groin just for playing a didgeridoo. I know that for a fact. Let's talk about our highways and get to those calls about whether or not we should have toll roads that we should be user-based in terms of when we go driving. Here is a recent Globe and Mail editorial I'm quoting from here. In 2015, Justin Trudeau, then leader of the third party, curried favor in Greater Montreal by promising there would be no tolls on the new 4.4 billion Champlain Bridge. In 2017, in British Columbia, the New Democrats won the provincial election in part because they pledged to scrap tolls on two Vancouver area bridges. That same year, in Ontario, the then Liberal government vetoed Toronto Mayor John Tory's plan to unburden city taxpayers by tolling two local highways. Rejecting tolls was one of the few things that Liberals, NDPers, and Progressive Conservatives can agree on. The only party that's been willing to entertain a change has been the Greens. But it's not an issue that any three traditional main parties want to talk about, 
in this fall's federal election. It should be. That from the Globe and Mail. Do you agree? Think about it. A cut in taxes, and in return, you pay for where you drive. Tom is in Hamilton. Do you agree, at least in principle, with that, Tom? No, I don't. I, the, the 407 is a prime example. And that we're talking about, like, the people, it was sold. It, it, we don't, Ontarians don't own the 407. It's been sold. We maintain the 407. If the, any provincial or federal government, like, they'll get you know, $100 a year for services for using highways, I think we'd all jump at it. But we know it's not going to happen. And the fees, the services are going to continue to go up for the fees in that. So, no, I don't agree with that at all. What are our taxes are supposed to cover all this? But the primary goal here would say that if you were to be paying a toll to use, let's just take the 400 series highways, just make it easy. So let's say the 401. Now we put a toll on that. We oh. take that. We take that provincially right off the debt. There's there's Dofo's savings right there. There's that's a whole lot of money out of the provincial government's coffers that it can put toward things like I don't know debt or hospitals or any other kind of thing. I don't agree with it because when they sold the 407, that was supposed to go towards paying off debt as well, and we're not out of debt, and we don't get anything for the 407. So I think it's counterproductive myself. There's no guarantee on anything. Of course not. No guarantee on anything is guaranteed for sure. Thank you, Tom. Uh, David in Unionville has been standing by to say, Alan, you are absolutely right. Oh, I I hung up on him. Uh, Tom, I really apologize for that. Here's George. George, it's my first day back from vacation, George. Would you agree, uh, A, that this is the greatest radio program available, and B, would you agree to pay tolls when driving? Well, okay, the greatest radio program, I'll give you that. You just came back from vacation, you know, started off light for you. Um, You know what? I'm all in favor of user pay. The only problem is we pay so much in taxes as far as gas and stuff that, that, that goes into general revenues as well. So unless they're going to take that out... Well, let's say that. Quickly. Let's just say that, George. That's a great example because a portion of that tax that you pay at the pump is supposed to go to that. So let's just say right now, I will give you a $0.05 cent a liter discount. Bang. Right there. Uh, except for you got to pay a toll. But you know what? As long as the math works out, like I don't want to end up paying... You know, uh, you know, a toll. Then later, I find out it's uh, it's going to uh, I don't know fund a streetcar project in uh, you know downtown Toronto. Like I don't mind paying for what I use. I got no issues with that. The problem with uh, the government nowadays is they'll uh, take money from you here, and instead of putting it where it's supposed to go, they fund pet projects on the side. All right, I, I got your point there. Thank you very much. Uh, let's go to Anthony, who is in Toronto. There's Anthony. You actually agree there be, should be some tolls. On certain highways, yeah. On, on uh, The gardener coming in and out of the city, all the trucks, the dump trucks, on some of them. I, agreeing a little bit with your last caller, I don't mind paying for what I use. Just a quick example. Look at the 407. We don't own that highway. Yet there's OPP on every block with their radar glass. If I'm paying 25 cents a kilometer, my bill is unbelievable. Why am I doing 100 kilometers? It's not a provincially owned highway. I should be able to do 140. Well, you're getting all German autobahn on me here. Well, 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 I mean, that's a little bit to the extreme. But, yeah, you should if you think about it. 
You don't own the highway. We don't know. Why is OPP there administering the it's not an it's not an Ontario provincial you know, it's not a police Ontario highway. So if you're gonna put a toll on the four hundred here, let's go back to your point there on the four oh one. I'm not doing a hundred. You better make a left lane at designated speed like in the States, minimum one fifteen. Where in the world on the four hundred are you even actually doing a hundred? Because I mean, <laughs> not across the top of this city, pal. Very well said, but that's my point. It's a complete, the system, it has to be legislated and law has to be changed completely. I don't mind having a toll on some highways. If it'll relieve certain people that take advantages because they know it's quote-unquote free or our taxes, uh, I don't mind a pay-per-use system. Do you think, Anthony, that any politician, any major political party could actually win an election with any kind of poll in, a toll, pardon me, in their platform? I do not. Not the ones that we have now because they won't be able to sell it to the public and the public won't buy it and they'll know they'll lose votes. They won't be able to sell it. All right. Thanks, Anthony. That is, uh, that, I think that's well said. And I think that wraps that up nicely because we can talk about whether or not it's a good idea, um, but at the end of the day, it is toxic. It is what we call the third rail. You know, like in provincial politics, the third rail would be touching uh, the separate school board. You don't go anywhere near that thing. And in terms of federal politics or municipal politics or provincial politics, tolls also, third rail, don't touch it. But in terms of third rail politics, there is one party, one leader who is willing to stick his tongue on the electric fence, and that is Maxime Bernier, who is now blaming a quote-unquote, and I love this, totalitarian leftist mob for the decision to take down billboards promoting his controversial stance on immigration. Here is Canadian press reporter Terry Pedwell saying that the leader of the People's Party of Canada is complaining about censorship now. Maxime Bernier says his political opponents and the, quote, leftist mob want to stifle discussion on immigration and keep him out of the election debates. Bernier has said the 350,000 immigrants Canada accepts every year is too high a number. His party platform says it inflates housing prices and that other political parties use mass immigration as a tool to buy votes from immigrant communities. Now, Patterson Outdoor Advertising, which owns those billboards, originally said that anyone who had an issue with the content should contact the third-party group that runs them. But Patterson now has bowed to public pressure and says the ads will come down. I drove past one today on Lakeshore over there in Leslieville. Went right past it, and as I went past it, I saw a Global News camera guy setting up a tripod to take a shot of it. That's, that's how that works. When you work in the news business, you know, occasionally, and I, I've been in management in the news business where I, I wasn't actually on the air. I was just, you know, telling people what to do, middle management, you know, and then you call up some guy. And he's like, you know, I need you to go down to the lakeshore and I need you to take some video of a sign. And so he's got a trapes down there and set up his camera right in the middle of traffic. Take the shot. Thank you. In the latest uh, news that the world is ending, satellites showing that the thousands of wildfires in the Amazon continue to consume forest at an astonishing rate. World leaders meeting at the G7 summit in France have now agreed to support South American nations fighting tens of thousands of wildfires. Here's ABC's Tom Rivers. 
The G7 countries have agreed to an immediate $20 million fund to help Amazon nations fight wildfires and launch a long-term global initiative to protect the rainforest. The announcement made by French President Macron, who said that the Amazon represents the very lungs of the planet, and he said leaders were studying the possibility of similar support in Africa, also suffering similar fires. Satellites have recorded more than 41,000 fires in the Amazon region so far this year, with more than half of those coming this month alone. And experts say most of those fires are being set by farmers or ranchers that are clearing existing farmland. And that is a huge issue that we're going to keep our eye on. Chile's president says that $20 million package will help Save the Amazon rainforest. It'll be aimed specifically at Brazil, Bolivia, Peru, and Paraguay. The wildfires are an international crisis. And that is what the Prime Minister, Justin Trudeau, is agreeing with today in the G7. We'll have more on that tonight on Global News at 5.30 and 6 and Global National, which, of course, is following the Prime Minister at the G7. On this day, more than two decades ago, Sonia Sywink went missing from London, Ontario. Four days later, her body and that of her unborn child were found 40 kilometers away. Like thousands of other missing and murdered Indigenous women, her killer has never been found, something Sonia's family and community band leaders say continues to be an issue in not only their community, but Indigenous communities across this nation. Jamie Marocker is a global news reporter and is filing a story on this cold case and joins me on the line. Hi, Jamie. How's it going, Alan? I'm well. What have you found in terms of this cold case? Okay, so interestingly about this cold case and why it's back in the news 25 years later is if you go to London, Ontario, you're going to see a massive billboard with Sonia Sywink's face on it, and it says, Find My Killer, at the top. So not only is her family still looking and, and hoping to generate new leads, but police have put up this billboard in an attempt to reopen this cold case. I, and I say reopen hesitantly in the sense that they say they've never actually closed it. However, because they don't have any leads, um, they're trying to generate those new leads. And while maybe, just maybe, the killer is dead, because it's been 25 years, they say there is likely somebody out there who knows something about this case. If you're familiar with it, you know that Sonia went missing on August 26th, back in 1994, on August, uh, sorry, that would have been in London, Ontario. She was last seen uh, near Lyle and Dundas Street, and then she was found four days later on August 30th, about 40 minutes outside of London, as you mentioned, Alan, near Southwold Earthworks. And like I said, the killer hasn't been found. How does this relate to the inquiry into missing and murdered Indigenous women? So, as you know, and as you mentioned, uh, Sonia Sywink is an Indigenous woman herself. Uh, she comes from a um, community outside of London as well. And She's just one of the thousands of cases across the country that have never been solved. So her family was part of the national inquiry into missing and murdered Indigenous women, and they say that the report was essentially just lip service. They're extraordinarily disappointed with how much money was spent on this report, and they say that it basically was a failure, that nothing came out of it. They're questioning if anything has changed at this point. We spoke to um, a band leader 
uh, within the community that Sonia was in, and he told us that this is still continuing to happen every day, even though we have this commission and all this is being done, and, you know, the incidents have been highlighted, it's not enough. And what Sonia's family is now asking for is a revamp of this report. They've penned a letter to Trudeau um, uh, with other families who are in similar situations. And uh, they also call the amount of money that was spent, that $93 million, ridiculous. They say they don't know where that money went, and they say that it should have gone to the grassroots, to the families that need it. And what those families need, they say, is traditional Indigenous healing. I want to play a quick clip. I believe is this a sister, Maggie Sinwick? Sinwick, yep, Maggie Sinwick. This is her talking about the inquiry. When the uh, national inquiry was struck, I really felt it was a huge waste of money. There were so many other recommendations that they could have started to work on and implement in some way. So I was always questioning that. I was always concerned about were they going in the right approach. You know, was the mandate too big for them to try to focus on what really narrowly had to be had to be done? I'm surprised, I think, by some of that, because I haven't heard that, I think, from the indigenous community quite that starkly before. Yeah, she's not mincing words. I mean, uh, we both know that the federal government called this a Canadian genocide in the report. And actually, she went as far as to swear and say that that word genocide is BS. She called it, quote, the $93 million word. And like I said, she doesn't think that the money went any place that it actually needed to go. Jamie Marocker is a Global News reporter, and you can see her story tonight on this on Global News at 5.30 and 6. Jamie, thank you so much. Appreciate you being on the program. Thanks for having me on. When we come back, I am going to give you some great news in terms of, I don't know about you, but September to me is the new year. So we're a week away from September. So it's not about the New Year's resolutions. I am going to give you a list that is going to help you Turn the corner. I am going to help you find the greatest gyms in the city of Toronto. A list of the greatest places to go and get ripped. I look like a guy who's been hitting the gym. That is next on the Alan Carter Radio Program. Welcome back to the Mighty Alan Carter Radio Program as we flex our muscles and get back into shape. Coming up, a list of the top gyms in Toronto. I don't know who decides these sort of things, but if you're the kind of person that digs on the endorphins, then we're going to have that detail, those details for you coming right up. I look like a guy who's been hitting the gym. First, though, lobster news. America's lobster exports to China have fallen off a cliff this year. As new retaliatory tariffs shift seafood business north to the Great White North. Chuck Silverstein here reporting that cargo planes are coming to Halifax, Nova Scotia, and Moncton, New Brunswick to handle a bump in exports. 
China is a huge and growing customer for lobster. It's placed heavy tariffs on U.S. lobsters and many other food products. The result? Businesses booming in Canada, where cargo planes are coming in to handle a growing bump in exports of Canadian lobsters. Canadian fishermen catch the same species of lobster as American lobstermen, based mostly in Maine. The loss of business has brought layoffs to some Maine businesses. There you have your lobster news, as advertised. How's about this for a nightmare? You ever just wake up in the morning and think, what is with my ear? It's blocked. This happens to me all the, all the time. I wake up in the morning, I get the one ear blocked, I got to shake it around, I got to stand. What is going on? Well, a Kansas City woman woke up to find out that, uh-oh, what's in there? Susie Torres woke up this past week and heard what she described as a swooshing sound in her ear, like when she goes swimming and has some water left in her ear. At first, she thought it was the after effects of an allergy shot, but the sound persisted, so she went to her doctor to check it out. The doctor didn't find any water. Instead, he found a brown recluse spider, which is common to Missouri and can be deadly. Luckily, she had not been bitten. Now, Torres says she's sleeping with cotton balls in her ears. Kent Martin, ABC News. All right. I am also going to sleep with cotton balls in my ears. I don't care if that spider is indigenous to only that area of the world. Climate change, people. Spiders in our ears. I'm just saying. Chemist David Dawson is trying. Let's now talk about vaping, shall we? Have you seen many ads for vaping? I'm sure you have, because... If you fill up your car with gas, you're in the gas station. There's an ad right there. Right there. Come on in. Get yourself a vape pen. Well, health officials say the number of severe breathing illnesses reported in people who vape has grown to nearly 200 in 22 states. And here's a study that says all of that advertising is really having a big effect on teenagers. Unregulated marketing could be to blame for the surge in e-cigarette use among teens. A new pediatric study shows children aged 12 to 17 who remember e-cigarette ads in stores were twice as likely to start vaping within two and a half years. For college students, ads in stores and on TV increased the chance of vaping by 30 percent. Almost 5 percent of middle schoolers and 20 percent of high schoolers are vaping. Some say it's just the evidence the FDA needs to clamp down on e-cigarette marketing. Yuni Han, ABC News. Did you hear that number of percentage of kids vaping? And you think to yourself, that ain't a big deal. Well, the officials with the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention released new figures on Friday that confirm now an adult in Illinois is being counted as the first death because of vaping. Illinois officials said the death was reported to the state Thursday, gave no other details. Now, all of the illnesses reported by the Center for Disease Control were in teens or adults who had used an electronic cigarette or some other kind of vaping device. Doctors say the illnesses resemble an inhalation injury with the lungs apparently reacting to a caustic substance. No single vaping product or compound has been linked to all of the cases. Officials say it's not clear yet, though, if there's a common cause. Is that weirding you out, freaking you out a little bit? Well, how about a little bit of weed? Nope. Because a new study shows that effects of marijuana in concentrated form can have adverse effects on teenagers and adolescents. 
Cannabis concentrate, also known as wax, butter, or oil, is the highly concentrated marijuana extract used for vaping in many types of edibles. It contains much higher levels of the chemical THC found in pot, and about a quarter of Arizona high school students have tried it, according to a new study in the journal Pediatrics. Doctors are concerned by those numbers, not just because of the psychological effects on kids' brains with all that THC, but because vaping in general has exploded among young people in the past few years, and there are so many questions about its long-term use. Sherry Preston, ABC News. So now you got the teenagers on the vapes with the butter, the shatter, the what was that? And check this out. Researchers are looking into the effects of mixing marijuana and the demon chocolate. Chemist David Dawson is trying to solve the mystery about marijuana brownies and how they can throw off potency tests. Dawson says chocolate works to block detection. The chocolate bar might in reality have more cannabinoids than the lab finds, and thus the product might actually be overdosed. The American Chemical Society's meeting in San Diego is looking into marijuana's technical challenges. There is a possibility that the customer might feel too high. But Dawson says there is no danger here. The actual effect is probably not enough that it would make the difference between somebody having a good experience or needing to go to the emergency room. I'm Ed Donahue. So there you have your chocolate and your weed all together in a beautiful package. I want to talk really quickly about what happened on the Danforth this weekend where part of it was transformed into a safe street design. It's a two-day pilot project between Danforth and Woodbine. It took out two curb lanes and expanded pedestrian space. I Drivers out there, I know you're gripping the wheel even tighter. We're on the car. But obviously we have a problem in this city. You've seen the fatalities. You've seen day in, day out, six people. A day hit by a car in this city. So something must be done. Danforth Avenue took on a new look this weekend. A performance parquette, a games area, protected bike lanes. The change is all temporary, but with a larger goal in mind. Cars are, you know, basically a ton of metal, and cyclists are quite vulnerable. They have squishy bodies, so it reduces the... Uh, possibility of impact. Amanda O'Rourke heads up the nonprofit 880 Cities, which helped build the two-day pop-up on Danforth at Woodbine. Toronto saw 46 pedestrian and cyclists killed last year, and in line with the city's larger Vision Zero plan to reduce those deaths and injuries to zero, the initiative aims to showcase and demonstrate safe street designs. It reduces the possibility that there'll be an interaction between a fast-moving vehicle and a person. I think it's fabulous. Um, as a cyclist, this makes me feel safe. Um, I think it's also very safe for pedestrians. But while the pop-up may improve safety, not all were in favor. Cyclist and driver Victoria Bencudi says it just shifts the problem elsewhere. People are diverting into the, into the family neighborhoods and communities just to avoid the congestion, which is a very challenging thing. And with the lanes reduced to two, there is the congestion. People want to have a party in the middle of the street. They want to put uh, flowers and, 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 uh, and, have, and dance around in the middle of the street. Uh, streets, are, are especially the Danforth, are made for transportation. 
But for Prasnabal Sundram, who bikes and lives nearby with his wife and kids, he says it's the way of the future and that drivers must adapt. There is a subway that runs along the entirety of the Danforth, um, which is, uh, in my view, the best way to, to travel up and down the street. Um, and frankly, you know, we can't design cities for cars anymore. It just is not sustainable. Albert Delatala, Global News. And I'll take you quickly to Copenhagen for a related story where it's safe to cross when the green Viking is walking, but stop when the red one is standing. That is the message to pedestrians in the city of Aarhus in Denmark. That is Denmark's second largest city. So what they've done there is they've decided, well, you know, the, the, just the regular guy, white, and that's not good enough here. So they've, they've gone with Vikings. However, no helmets. I mean, no, the helmets, they have them, but no horns, no horned helmets, because apparently there's no evidence that Viking helmets really had horns. I look like a guy who's been hitting the gym. Blog T.O., here it is, promised. Your top ten gyms. What do we got, ten or do we got five? Maybe we got five. Top gyms in Toronto if you feel like getting ripped. Here we go. Number one, the Rosedale Club. Luxury amenities, they say. Number two, Good Life Fitness. Now, they say the downtown Toronto Young Street, but they say the multiple locations. Those things are everywhere. Equinox Fitness Yorkville comes in at number three. It's an American luxury gym. It's got locations in Yorkville and the Financial District. Number four, have you heard of this thing? F45 Training. The thing is everywhere. This is one of these high-tech dealy-doos where you go in and you stare at a screen. Number five, L.A. Fitness Toronto, because I like to look good when I'm looking good as I'm looking. Number six, Hone Fitness Carlaw. Number seven, Cooper Coo YMCA on Cherry Street. Where are my village people? Number eight, the Gold Ring Center at the University of Toronto. And number nine, I believe we only have nine, yes, nine, Matamy Athletic Center, part of Ryerson University, of course, and, of course, part of former Maple Leaf Gardens. And if you smell really carefully, you can still catch a whiff of Borea Salming in there, which is nice. I look like a guy who's been hitting the gym. Shall we just round it up with some quick news, if we can? I have some animal news, and I also have some crime news in Rocky Mount, North Carolina, Sheriff deputies say they have responded to a call of crop theft. They found a suspect stuck in the middle of a field trying to haul off a truckload of stolen watermelons. Trying to rip off some melons. Here are our animal news right now. In Italy, an Italian-assisted breeding company says it has fertilized eggs removed from the last two female northern white rhinos with sperm from the now-dead last male, but it will be about 10 days before it's known whether those eggs have become embryos. Wow. Alligators? That's right. In Berlin, an escaped cobra is on the loose in the city of western Germany. Authorities still need to figure out how far the reptile has slithered. Municipal authorities say the venomous snake was spotted Sunday morning in the hallway of a house where snakes were kept, but it may have left the building. The snake has left the building. Four houses on the street were evacuated as a precaution. Officials sprinkled flour in the building of hopes that the snake would leave a trail. 
and laid down, laid down, and this is, I'm not making this up, laid down two-sided sticky tape to try and stop the reptile, but it is still on the loose. I have pig stories. Sounds like they're trying to batter that snake. This, I have, I have pig news. Here we are, two, two pig stories. Residents in a Florida neighborhood are complaining after a family of mini pigs was left running wild in the area. Feral pigs, I tell you. Forget about it. The animal control officers say the owners thought it was okay to let the pigs roam freely. Hey, they're, you know, free-range pigs. Neighbors have been complaining that the wild pigs were roaming the streets, running into people's yards all hours of the day and night. The Pensacola News Journal reports that neighbors also complained the pigs were taking over an overgrown lot. Officials rounded up the pigs Thursday night and returned them to an owner, the owner, with a warning. Just keep your pigs. And here, to close out the program, as I return, give me a beat. Tupper Lake, New York. A new semi-pro baseball team in the Adirondacks is now looking for a new nickname. After residents grunted at the name River Pigs. The Adirondack Daily Enterprise reports that a Tupper Lake Village Board trustee posted on Facebook Thursday night that the name of the new Empire League will be changed. The name River Pigs was chosen to reflect the region's logging history. River Pigs were skilled loggers who broke up log jams on rivers. But when the team announced in late July that their nickname was River Pigs, some found it demeaning. The fire chief says the village baseball committee will discuss other options. Let's all root for the river pigs. Please don't call me by my real name. It just, it, it destroys the reality I'm trying to create here.